He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always. We are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to Golf Oklahoma right now, golfoklahoma.org. Make it your homepage. Every day you log on, there it is, keeping you up to date with everything happening around the state of Oklahoma. Uh, gentlemen, we've got a lot to get into today. We're going to talk about some of the equipment changes, talk about the honorary starters at the Masters, preview the Sony Open. We've got a lot of fun things to get to. We're going to go ahead and start on a not-so-fun note get the sad stuff out of the way early in the show uh tim rosefort yesterday pretty shocking news out of the game of golf as tim rosefort who really for most of our lives guys has been with us with golf digest and golf channel and just i mean he's just been around it's just rosie you turn tv on there's rosie you get you get on golfchannel.com there's something that rosie wrote it's just he's very much been a part of all of our lives for most of our lives and uh yeah, Taylor, just a, a sad situation with him going way too soon, 66 years old. Boy, I mean, there's no other better way to put it there, Colby. I, I can remember when I was younger turning into Golf Central at 5, 6 o'clock in the day or evening time. There was Rosie right there every time. For for people who aren't ex- particularly familiar, he was essentially the woge of golf for the longest time. Retired in 2020. And something I want to say just to you know be able to appreciate his memory, he was the first journalist to be rewarded an honorary membership by the PGA of America. And only the twelfth, only the twelfth person overall to be an honorary member. That joint, you're looking at people like Dwight Eisenhower, George W. Bush, Gerald Ford, Gary Player. Uh, three of those four people were presidents of the United States. That's pretty high acclaim to be. So, golf world is definitely missing one of the most important people I believe in the last uh, twenty years that wasn't you know playing or anything like that. So I don't know about you, Sam, but Rosie definitely had a special place in my heart, and uh, I'm going to miss listening to his stories because it definitely uh, made the golf world a lot better place. You always knew it was major week when Tim Rosafort was on the TV because I know that he did other hits for other, you know, golf centrals during the year for other tournaments. But what I'll remember Rosafort for was those stories, those inside segments that you got to kind of relate to the player during majors week. And, and he was one of the best ever at it. You, I would put him Tom Rinaldi kind of in the same class and and Rosa Fort was just amazing at what he did and one thing that I didn't realize was that he was a great linebacker he played college college linebacker did you guys know that I did not know that where did he play at uh, Rhode Island. We were talking he played about at Rhode Island. I think Taylor, you had your headphones on. You were doing something else. I said that before we came on the air. Uh, yeah, was a linebacker at Rhode Island. I never knew that. I, a bunch of people described him using football analogies yesterday, saying he was a great lead blocker and all this stuff. And he was just the man. Is just there was something about Rosafort. There are certain people in sports media and journalism that you know when you see them on your TV screen, when they talk to you about something, whatever the topic may be, there's just this softness and this kindness to them and this this comfort like you feel you feel comfortable sitting in your living room you just kind of feel like you're hanging out with Tim Rosefort and he's talking to you and that's a skill that can't really be taught you either have that ability to be personal and, and to reach people on that level or you don't and Tim Rosefort had it so uh very sad for the game of golf Sam any, think, any, any final thoughts on, on Rosefort yeah, yeah I just think that Freddie Couples put it perfect on Twitter yesterday he said I like the media I love Tim Rosaport. And I think that that's pretty perfect perfect way to put it. I, I feel like that's how a lot of people thought. Well, it, it's just like, you know, there's different people in the media. And there's certain people, you know, sort of like your dad, Sam's in that group, where people can affect the athletes on such a different level, more personal level, and you get to know them a lot better. It seems like almost every golfer out there said the same thing about about Rosie. And just some of his other accolades where he worked at. Worked for the Tampa Times, uh, South Florida Sun Sentinel, Palm Beach Post, Sports Illustrated back when it was good, uh, Golf Digest. And also, he was a broadcast uh, role for USA Network. I completely forgot they, they covered golf back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They covered some big events. So, uh, yeah. 
yeah, it'll never be the same without Rosa Ford. All the stories that poured out yesterday and continue to pour out today about Rosa Ford. It's you go to golfchannel.com. It's it's the lead story. It's the lead three or four stories on golfchannel.com. Uh, and I'm sure that there will be tributes this week at the Sony Open. I would imagine there will be some ribbons uh, on some hats for some guys and, and some other things that guys do to pay tribute to Tim Rosa Ford. So uh, may he rest in peace. All the love going out to his family, to his coworkers, to everybody who knew him. Uh, everybody, just those of us who knew him fr- from our home, seeing him on our TVs, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dearly miss him in the game of golf. May he rest in peace. Uh, gentlemen, let's move on and get into some of the other topics we're going to explore today. Uh, we had some equipment changes, as we do every year, and I didn't even realize last week I run out Patrick Reed at the Century in the one-and-done, and then he's playing terrible Thursday. Well, news doesn't break until Thursday after the round starts that he has switched to a PXG driver and a PXG hat. At first, I thought it was all PXG. It's just the driver and the hat. That was one equipment change. Taylor, you've got a list of some more. Yeah, so one of the biggest ones, probably the biggest golfer to do it, was Abraham Answer. He was a free agent for the longest time. He, I think he was the smallest golfer to do it. I, that's a very good point. And, Thanks. <laughs> very, cle- very clever, Colby. And so, you know, one thing that I think a lot of people were noticing and saw, you know, he's switching to Callaway. And one thing I want to make clear to listeners is that not all equipment contracts are the same. Colby, you mentioned, like with Patrick Reed, he just went PXG hat, PXG driver. And, and you see that sometimes. And so um, – uh, answer, he, he's gone to Callaway, but he already had a Callaway uh, driver. He had Callaway uh, Odyssey putter, and I believe it was the wedges. I'm trying to look it up right now. But nevertheless, he went to Callaway, but the only thing that he's having to change, he's putting a new three wood and five wood in the back because he was using tailor-made woods before that, and he's got Callaway on his hat now. So that's really kind of the only thing that changed uh, there. One of the biggest uh, ones I saw, especially on the women's side, Yuka Sasso, full Callaway now. That's the U.S. Open yeah. winning champion at Olympic Club, and we know how much we talked about the other day, how big that that tournament's about to get. By, by the way, I was watching Golf Channel the other day because it's just what I do. It was on the background while I was making dinner, and all the highlights, like they do the hour-long recap of different tournaments. They were doing the 2021 U.S. Open at Olympic Club. Yuka Sasso and Rory McIlroy are my two favorites. So swings in all of golf. In all of golf, Yuka Sasso's swing is unbelievable. Um, yeah, Sam, what do you think about Reed? What do you think about Answer, Sasso? Uh, obviously, Answer and Sasso going to Callaway. Reed with just the PXG driver and hat. What do you think about the club moves that we've seen at the start of 2022? It seems like Callaway is kind of on the uptick. I mean, our, our guy uh, Taylor Gooch uses Callaway. Obviously, John Rom uses Callaway. It seems like if you're not with TaylorMade, you're with Callaway. Would you would you put them as the second best company right now? I as far as clubs go, or at least drivers. You know, guys. Whenever I add up every single thing that the that a brand does, I think Callaway's the best. I think I don't think they have the best ball. I don't think they have the best irons per se. But I think when you add up every single thing they do, it's like for example, I think that all the almost everything that that Callaway makes. Uh, club-wise, is better than Titleist, in my opinion, from the way that I've hit it. And I think that a lot of people debate on this. I think Callaway Woods are better than TaylorMade Woods, but I, th- I understand why people got preferences there. Um, I like Callaway Irons and Wedges better than TaylorMade Irons and Wedges. I do like the TaylorMade Ball better. Um, but then you, you add into the aspect of Odyssey of it, too, and Odyssey has been for – 40 years or however, been making the, some of the best putters in the game besides Scotty Cameron. So I'm, I I completely agree, Sam, and maybe even to a higher extent that I I know TaylorMade has probably a few more bigger names than Callaway does, but I still think Callaway's the better brand. Well, and Sam, I know, what do you play throughout your bag? Do you, do you well, Are you like one brand throughout, or do you have kind of a, a, a mix and match situation going? So I had never played a ping club until I got to college, and we got ping clubs for free. And so I started playing all ping stuff. But then when I got out of college, um, I realized that the TaylorMade driver was better for me, but I still use the ping irons. Um, obviously, I don't get paid uh, to use any clubs, right? So, or I don't get them for free either. So I, I kind of just use whatever I want. But um, to me, I, I like the ping irons the best. And another thing with the ping irons is, you know, Irons are pretty much the same across the board to me. I mean, our, the technology is so good that whether it's a Titleist iron, a Ping iron, a Callaway iron, or a TaylorMade iron, there, there's not going to be that much difference, especially once you get down to the forged irons. It, it all comes down uh, to drivers, and 
a lot of the driver is how how it feels to me, right? I mean, and and most of the driver is the shaft, which isn't even the same company because you can put any any company shaft company's uh, shaft in your driver, right? Uh, but the Titleist driver doesn't feel right to me. The TaylorMade driver feels great. The Ping drivers feel pretty great, and the the Callaway driver feels great. But a lot of times it's been a little lighter and it's been um, a little easier to hit offline to me. Um, but that, we'll, we'll be at the PGA show and we'll get to try out all this stuff. And I haven't hit the new TaylorMade driver. I'm excited to do that too, uh, at the PGA show as well. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned feel because for me, last time I got fitted for my clubs with driver and three wood and stuff like that, it was very much about the numbers. What's my launch angle? What's my ball speed, speed, club head speed, stuff like that. That's what I was looking for with driver three wood with irons. I was basically looking at what looks the best whenever I look down at it. Because to me, like kind of like you said, Sam, irons to me are much more a dime a dozen. I don't feel like there's much of a difference in my numbers with different irons last time I got fitted. Uh, so I was just looking at what looked best. Callaway looked best to me looking at it. That's where I went with irons. I've kind of played Callaway wedges for a long time. Uh, and then I actually had the best numbers with the Callaway driver. So that's the, the direction that I went. I'm very curious to see how uh, TaylorMade coming out with their new carbon stealth. I'm very curious to see if that kind of changes anything at all uh, or if those numbers stay pretty consistent for most guys. I guess only time will tell there. But, um, yeah, I mean, changing club brands is a a big deal for some players. It takes some guys a while to figure it out. Uh, Some, not so much. So uh, we'll see how this plays out for Reed and answer. What what were you saying, Tyler? Uh, I want to point out because you're talking about how irons and and all that stuff. One of my friends, shout out Johnny Ellis, he's looking and getting some new Callaway irons. He had played peeing before. And he was curious because he had, he had plays way upright because he's six six uh, foot tall, and he's trying to figure out well what specs do I need for these Callaway irons? And I said, well, you need to go check and see if the ping iron standards loft and lie are the same as yeah. the Callaways. Well, you notice whenever you did it, the Callaway irons were I believe a half inch longer with each club. They were it was weird because the Cal or the ping irons the the lie changed every. For every iron, it changed three-fourths of a degree of lie. The Callaway irons, it only changed half of a degree of lie. So the longer irons were, I believe, flatter and the shorter – or no, the, the longer clubs were more upright and the shorter clubs were flatter than the, than the pink. So it's like, well, how do you throughout the whole set get that set up? And also, too, for the Callaways, the four and six iron were less loft than the pink four and six iron, but the other irons were the same loft. So anytime for anyone out there getting new irons and stuff, you have to check stuff like this because you can't just say, well, my last irons were three degrees upright, so these ones need to th- be three degrees upright, too, or the different lengths or whatever, because each brand does something different. Well, and like you said with the four and six iron with ping and Callaway being different, if the four and six iron with Callaway are, are lower loft, then what's going to happen if you don't realize that you're going to switch, you're going to get a new set of irons, you're going to go out and your yardages are going to be off on your four and six iron because those are less lofted clubs, but they've got the same number on the bottom of them. All of a sudden you're carrying your four iron 195 instead of 185 and you're like, man, these new irons are juiced. The reality is you're hitting a club with two or three degrees less loft on it. Probably not that much. Probably one or two degrees less loft on it. But that could add a few yards. So, yes, things that you need to pay attention to with equipment. And, and uh, last last few couple names here for the equipment changes. Bet Nardi, they re-signed Kokrak, uh, Matt Kuchar, and Matty Fitzpatrick, Mr. Skill. So that's pretty good. Um, and then probably the biggest shock of the offseason, guys, equipment-wise, Jimmy Walker's in the same boat, but he's not as big a name. Adam Scott, no longer with Titleist. Wow, I missed that one. Where, who'd he go with? No one. He's okay. just, so, so, what, so what that means is that he can still use equipment, or, or not equipment, he can still use Titleist clubs, but he's not paid for it, and he could show up with a tailor-made Callaway, Ping, Mizuno, whatever he wanted to in his bag. So it's going to be weird not Guys, seeing... Guys, by the way... Go ahead, Sam. I just have a quick question on the uh, company changes, because now I know that Brooks Kepka is Strixon, but he uses... Does he still use a tailor-made driver? Did he switch to a Strixon driver as well now? I believe he has a Strixon driver. I'll pull up his full bag here. Um, you know, well, was it the driver or irons he was already using Strixon last year? Uh, irons. Irons uh, he was using Strixon yeah, last year. Yeah, okay. because he... Um, Excuse me. He went from he was using Mizuno for the longest time with his irons. So so yeah, he's using a Strixon driver, Taylor made three wood, the same M two he's used forever. Still has his a uh, Nike Vapor three iron in the bag, and then he's using uh, Strixon irons like you mentioned, Colby, and Cleveland wedges, which is Strixon brand. So, so. funny to me when I see somebody with like a Nike Vapor in the bag. 
It's man, if, well, if you if you find a club you like that's a longer club like that, a three wood hybrid long iron, you don't change it until it breaks. Yeah, you're right. What are you saying? Because well, I know at one point at one point last year, Brooks Kepka had a strict on head cover on his tailor made driver at the end of last year. Yes, that that does happen decently often. Where you'll see, like for example, just like you mentioned, a player will have a three wood or a hybrid that he's not contracted with to use, and he'll just have the same brand right. head cover on it. Yeah, makes sense. You're paying for those rights for people to see that head cover in the bag. So, uh, good stuff with equipment. We're talking about wedges here in a minute. We want to remind everybody to go see our good friends at Ring Family Dentistry here in Oklahoma City. They are the absolute best, going out of their way to ensure that all treatment is as comfortable as possible, delivering same day crowns for more than 20 years. They have all of the top leading edge technology. You want it, they've got it. Implants, clear aligner, orthodontics. There's not much that they can't do. All decisions are made by the patients. They do not over-treat. If they can't show why treatment is needed, they will not prescribe it. They explain their opinion, answer any questions, and ultimately leave all decisions to the patient. Check them out. Ring Family Dentistry here in Oklahoma City. Uh, now, Taylor, whenever we were determining what we were going to get into on today's pod, you, had, you said you had some questions about wedges, different grasses, here in the state of Oklahoma. So kind of talk us through what you were thinking here. Uh, so, yeah, just one of those random, you know, you go down the iceberg, how far do you get type of things. I thought this would be a fun thing to talk about. I think our listeners would appreciate it as well. So I'm, I'm just driving around the city, you know, just I ha- I've only played a couple times in the last month. But just seeing the different courses, like, for example, I drove past Rose Creek the other day and looked like they overseeded the fairways. And I, I got to thinking, you know, like, I understand, because I remember asking Taylor Gooch about this, you know, if he changes his grinds on the tour or not. And he said that he, he doesn't. And, you know, he was able to meet with Roger Cleveland, and they figured out a different grind to work with there. But I just think that playing in this state with grasses being so different, being dormant or live or overseeded, however you want to put it, I think that if you want to play a halfway decent golf in this state, especially with your wedges, you need to have two different sets depending on the time of year of grass you're playing. And, I mean, people can – See, if, I want to hear some differing opinions as to if do you just change your technique all the time to try to adapt to it. I just seem like it would be a lot easier if you play a, a bare course, put in a sixty degree wedge with four degrees less of bounce, and you're going to be a, you're going to have a lot better results. That's just how I'm interpreting it. What do you guys think, Sam? What do you think? Well, I think that if you practice your chipping a ton and you're struggling with your chipping, and you go to practice it on this dormant Bermuda grass. You're going to do one of two things. You're going to become the greatest chipper in your friend group, or you're just going to be terrible at chipping and lose all your confidence, right? And and a lot of that, I think, has to do with bounce. I think that some people have too much bounce uh, for this dormant Bermuda grass. And so, to me, you you got to figure out a technique that works for you on that type of tight lie, almost dirt-like, lie that you get here in Oklahoma this time of year um, because you're going to lose your confidence fast. And we've seen it with, with great players around the state of Oklahoma where they kind of lose their confidence around the green because of the dormant grass in the wintertime, I think. And, and, and it's like, it's, it's kind of interesting because if you go to the summertime and you get, whether it's Zoysia or nice, nice Bermuda and you get, you know, some, some rough here in Oklahoma, then you can get some cushion under the ball and be able to kind of slide that club under there and gain some confidence. Um, But you have to be able to accelerate. You have to be able to learn how to take a divot on your chip shots. And I think that you see that with a lot of Oklahoma players where they hit down on their chip shots and they play kind of that low nipper uh, where a lot of guys from other states don't, and they learn how to hit that shot in the wintertime on this dormant-type Bermuda grass. Yeah, Taylor, I think you and I were talking about this last week uh, because I played out in Scottsdale in December, and just the difference in hitting a 100-yard wedge off that grass as opposed to going out and hitting a 100-yard wedge here in Oklahoma right now, it's just it's night and day. It's an entirely different game of golf. And for me, when it comes to bounce on my wedges – Whenever I get a new set of wedges, look, I, I'm going to get one set of wedges. I'm going to play them for about two years, and and that's just what I'm going to do because you know most people don't have the ability, the finances, the need to go out and get multiple sets of wedges with multiple grinds. Um, if you're not out playing competitively and doing stuff like that, so I t- I play most of my rounds at the green, so that's kind of what I want it to be tailored to. But I still want to be able to go to Scottsdale and play golf, or you know go Chickasha and play golf, which is going to be harder. Scottsdale is going to be softer, stuff like that. So I always try to go fairly neutral on my bounce, I almost always end up with just a, a, a gap, a, a sand and a lob, just 
10, 10 degrees bounce on each one. That's usually where I wind up. That's what mine are now. They're all 10, and I'm sure my next set of wedges will be the same because that just kind of gives me the the universal ability to play different golf courses and not have to do a ton of adjustment if I've got wedges that have a bounce of four on them or if I've got wedges that have a bounce of 16 on them. Those just aren't going to work at some golf courses. I feel like 10 works at most, so that's kind of what I go with. Taylor, what do you do there? Yeah, so I... I, I th- you can. There's two different schools of thought here, and there's there's a few more. But the way I see it is, is that you can either go with like you said, Colby, which I think is probably the safest route, just kind of stay neutral, bounce throughout the whole bag, or if you want to, you can go, you know, for example, high bounce in a sand wedge and low bounce in a log wedge, or vice versa, that kind of thing. Right. So you can use different bounce for different types depending on your feel. And you know, something to think about too, guys, is that. You know, back when Jack Nicholas played before Sam thought golf was ever a thing, that, you know, these guys, they only had pitching wedges and sand wedges. You know, they didn't have 64 degrees and all this. So I remember when I was getting recruited at uh, Wichita State, legendary Greer Jones was talking to me, and he said that whenever he brings his players in, he tries his best to get them down to three wedges in their back. Because, and that's not something that I agree with now later in life, but it's just that he basically said, well, if we're back in the day, if we could finesse and learn how to do this, you know, you can now too. And, you know, it's a, that's another school of thought as well. And, you know, going to your point there, Colby, what you mentioned about, you know, having a set of wedges for, for two years essentially, and, and that's what you have. So, like, for me, my, my theory would be, you know, like with a 62-degree wedge like I have now, have because right now it has about 10 degrees of bounce that's probably a little too high for some of these dormant lies around here so if you put in an additional lob wedge that says six degrees of bounce or four degrees of bounce if you use those intersectingly in rounds you're going to extend the life of the wedges that you have because they're not going to get beat up, not going to beat up so bad so it's like it looks like a, a heavy investment at the start but at the end of the day it gives you more time down the line and then we keep talking about grasses guys the sand around here is so much drastically in different courses too yeah. and so you go out to somewhere like like jimmy austin where the sand's real fluffy you go out to you know the a municipal where it's just firm packed dirt it's entirely different and going back to your point also colby about hitting wedges in arizona it's so much easier to do that but yet at the same time the ball reacts so much differently you know it's like you don't necessarily because you don't hit off of it all the time you don't know exactly what that ball is going to do and you land so, it's like I said, guys, it's just something I was thinking about. And whenever I go out and I play, I have a firm lie. It's almost like my 60-degree now, I can't even hardly use it because it has so much bounce on it. But you go to another well, course, and it sits up, and it's like the best thing ever because then it just spins like no other. So, go ahead, Sam. P-Dub, tell me if you agree with this. Um, but most of the great chippers that I've seen in, in my time, especially uh, when talking about having a junior start playing, I think that you should really – teach them and just really just put them out on the chipping green with one club, give them a 60 degree or give them a 56 degree or a 58 degree, I think is perfect uh, for, for kind of a junior and have them use one club and learn how to hit all the chip shots with one club, have them hit it high, have them hit it medium, have them hit it low, have them bump it into the ground, see how that reacts and everything. I think that too many people, um, even though it's easier to learn how to, you know, hit chip shots with a pitching wedge or a nine iron or a 52 and, and kind of keep it low to the ground. I feel like it's kind of a band aid uh, to having a great short game. And I think that the great short games guys can hit all the shots with those high lofted clubs. Also, can y'all tell me who the first ever player to use a 60 degree was? Uh, Ooh, that's a good question. I thought you were about to say Sandwich, and I was going to say Sarazen. I'll, I'll, I'll guess Seve, just because of the hands. I'll guess Seve. That's a good guess. Uh, I will go with uh, probably not Jack. Give me Gary Player. It was not Gary Player. It was Tom Kite in 1980 put a 60 degree in the bag for the first time. Uh, so the 60 degree is kind of – Modern, right? <laughs> so, uh, but it's, I think it's completely necessary in today's game. And like I said, a lot of people would disagree with me on this, but I think that a junior golfer needs to learn how to hit all the shots with one lofted, one lofted club around the green and kind of, you know, 80% of the time use that club and be able to hit like a thousand different shots with that club. Sam, I could not agree with more with what you said. I think that's extremely great advice. And I'll, I will say this to add to your point. It, this, this is what I would encourage anyone doing with chipping. Grab you that one club, just like you said, get really good at it, and then anytime you get within 30 to 50 yards of the green, 
you need to have a specific reason to not use that club. So, for example, if you're exactly. if you're twenty, if you're right on the fringe and you got eighty feet of green to work with, well, to me, that's a reason to not use a lob wedge. You know, that way you can use your lower lofted club. But that's a specific example. So you need to practice those shots. And going back to your point, Sam, like you said, about eighty percent of the time you use that club. I think that's about what percentage of time you should practice with that with that one club is eighty percent because that's probably the amount of times you'll use it on the course, especially if it's your loft, your highest lofted club because you're going to have to hit so many more high high soft shots like that. And do you agree, T Dub, as far as keep the sixty out of the bag until maybe you turn fourteen or so? I would say definitely lean towards the fifty-six degree. Um, you know, some people who have multiple wedges in the bag, they'll they'll have like a fifty-four degree, something like that. Um, a lot of the foreign players I played with only had three wedges. They went pitching wedge fifty-two and fifty-eight degree. Um, so that's kind of kind of a different route there. But yes, I would say. Focus on – because that's what I do. I try to take my 56 degree and then I use the same premise of there needs to be a reason for me to use my 62 degree or my 52, something like that. So if I have to hit a high soft shot or what can happen a lot of times around Oklahoma is if you're way downwind and then you can't really use your sand wedge that much to hit a high. So, yes, I completely agree. Get better. I would not say the best club to use would be the lob wedge because in theory you got to get the ball kind of low and get it running, almost falling in the hole like a putt like Seve used to do. Yeah, absolutely. And some of these old-timers still with us. Uh, we just want to let everybody know Tom Watson, Masters Honorary Starter this uh, upcoming year. Be there with Jack Nicholas and Gary Player. Of course, Lee Elder passed uh, this past November. So may he rest in peace. Arnold Palmer, of course, used to do it. He's moved on as well. Um, so Tom Watson, Jack Nicholas, and Gary Player. That's a pretty action-packed uh, first tee at Augusta. And I don't believe that Gary Player's son will be joining him this year. After his <laughs> promotion. What, what was the brand of balls that he was trying to promote? I think it was Encore. Oh, I can't, I can't remember. It was, it was, was a really it? bad promotion if we can't remember. I, I think it was Encore. I'm almost positive it was Encore because he was just like holding it up in the background as they were giving Lee Elder all of his like, uh, well, well overdue recognition. Oh, man. Hey, I will say this about Tom Watson. That is absolutely awesome. Tom Watson is probably my favorite player before my time right and tom watson is just one of the most swaggy old guys just nice as can be tom watson is is just the the epitome of excellence to me i love tom watson but was an awesome open champion he already has five of them should have had six of them i mean that's just that's something that's it's just hard one of the worst one of the worst days of sports watching of all time Back in 2009. I was listening to it on the Damn radio. It, Stuart Sink. I was listening to it on Damn the radio. It, Stuart Sink. So I, I remember oh. I remember the radio call like it was yesterday, though. It was uh People brutal. forget Stuart Sink made like a 25-foot putt on 18 to even yeah. make it a playoff. And he was like three holes ahead of Watson, too. Yeah, it's brutal. It's what Stuart Sink will forever be known for. Not for having his son on the Watson bag. Just not, for having this, not for having this resurgence in his late 40s for beating the man, Tom Watson, at the Open Championship I will, I will say this, too, to, to kind of play devil's advocate here. Watson played so bad in that playoff. It's, so bad. It's like right as soon as he missed that putt on 18, oh, he yeah. did not have a chance. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I no agree. chance. I agree. Uh, all right, Taylor, you were wanting to ask our listeners a question about food choices uh, based on something that you witnessed this morning whenever you walked into the 73rd Hole Studios. Okay, so I, I, I love that name, 73rd Hole Studio. We got to get a little sign that says that. So, <laughs> so I walk in this morning. And, you know, it kind of it smells like food. So I walk in. Colby's got this plate. It's about three inches from his face, and he's just gulling it down. Kind of, kind of like his dogs that he's got out here. If they give him food, he's just, like, licking the plate. Well, I was, a little, I was running a little behind, so I was basically just trying to inhale some food before we started recording. And, and I look at it, and I'm like, what in the hell is that? And my man is eating meatloaf at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I, got I love to, it. I got to thinking, right? So, like... Like for like for example, most people like myself, it's like you can't eat a prime rib at seven in the morning, and you can't or you can't eat something like ice cream at five in the morning. You know, a lot of people can't do that. And I got to thinking, it's like why? You know, wh- why is that the case? Why why can we only eat certain foods at certain times? It's like I look at Kobe and I say he's weird, but then I'm like, I think I'm the weird one here because I should be able to eat anything I want at any time. What do you think, Sam? Well, I mean, I feel like everyone already knows what I think because the breakfast of champions is two spicy Stop chicken it. taquitos Stop and it. two propels from Quick Trip. And we have a Quick Trip coming to Oklahoma City, the greatest gas station in the history of gas stations. 
It has it has breakfast food. It has donuts. Don't don't get any of that crap. You go to the taquito section and you get yourself some nutrition for the day. The taquito is the best breakfast food of all time, especially the spicy chicken. Sam, I just start off let, the day with some fiber. I just want to let you know as you get into your upper twenties, when you're twenty nine. Those taquitos don't sit on your stomach the same way they did when you were 19. I'm just letting you know, my friend. Yes, they do, because I prepared myself for this moment. (laughs) It's like, it's honestly like preparing, it's preparing for a marathon. My stomach is lined properly because I, I ate so many spicy chicken taquitos for breakfast. And before I played in, you know, any qualifier, I had to have two taquitos at least, probably three most of the time. And and the propel, but you have to you have to mix in the propel, right? That that is a big key to it, and it can't be any propel. It has to be watermelon or the strawberry kiwi or the strawberry uh, whatever the other one is. It, it, if it's pink or or light red, then you can have the propel. The grape doesn't do much for me, and it'll kind of upset your stomach a little bit. But like I said, if, if you prepare yourself for this moment. Then you can eat anything that you want. And I love the meatloaf play at the start of the day, Colby. I think that is a man's man breakfast. And I think that you just started your day off right. And I feel like you're going to have a great day. See, here's where my weird morning eating started. I did morning radio for about two years. So I was up at about four o'clock in the morning. Well, I mean, I'm not going to wait till eight to have breakfast. I'm not going to wait until noon to have lunch. So I would say I would drive to the studio before I would have breakfast. And then most mornings I would heat up one of those little microwavable chicken pot pies. And I would have that for breakfast like five o'clock in the morning. I'd get off the air at nine. I'd finish all my post editing and stuff. I'd wait for Kane's to open at 10. I'd go to Kane's right at 10, get the chicken hot and fresh because you're the first one through the door. I'd have my lunch and I'd head back to Stillwater. That was my routine. And then my eating the rest Colby, of the day would just be totally erratic. Hey, I, I like that, though. And, and here's another thing is when you can't make it to a quick trip, right, you have to do this for dinner. If your wife if your wife isn't home and she, she's not making dinner one night, you have to try this, okay? And I'm all about efficiency, right? Okay, and so you go to the, you go to the grocery store. You buy two boxes of Jimmy Dean's breakfast sausage and egg. Uh, and, and it has to be on the croissant, the Jimmy Dean croissant breakfast sandwich. But I never really eat it for breakfast. I eat it for dinner. You can heat two sandwiches up in one minute, and it's almost a complete meal. Eat that with some Doritos, and you have yourself a four a four star meal at least. Okay, I got one question about about the eating in the morning thing. So, like for example, I pull over and and Colby's he he's eating the leftover meatloaf from last night. Is there a difference between just having the meatloaf from last night as opposed to getting up at six a.m. and making a full blown meatloaf? Yes, there's a big difference. Eating leftover meatloaf out of the fridge that I microwave for sixty seconds is so much different than making a meatloaf in the morning because. I mean, let's be honest. If you're making a meatloaf first thing in the morning, that's some that's some degeneracy right there. I mean, what, I just can't see that's someone psych- going going out psychotic. going out to the grill at six thirty a.m. sparking up the the charcoal and just and just making some steaks. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, that is a lot different than eating the steak leftover from the night before, isn't some it? People, is that, some people is do that enjoy what some Bryson steak does. Oh yeah, that's absolutely what Bryson does. I, I don't think Bryson ever turns his grill off. I think he just leaves it on so that whenever he wants to, he can just go out and chuck some meat on it. You definitely know Bryson's a propane kind of guy. He'd probably never seen charcoal a day in his life. Yeah, well, and you know that Bryson, you got to be prepared because you can't just have you know like a, a half hour to an hour span with no calorie intake. So uh, you can't have that time with no calorie intake. You just you gotta have extra propane. You might he might even have two grills in case one runs out of propane. He probably starts one. Let's it run for a few days. Starts the other one so that if the one goes out, the other one's already fired up. All right, here's the next. Here's another level to the question. What if you have a smoker? You smoke ribs at midnight and then you eat them at seven a.m. Because you're, you're not really cooking them in acceptable. the morning. Is that acceptable? Acceptable. Yes. Acceptable. I would probably yeah, I, I have no judgment on any food that you want to eat. I, see, I'm not a huge breakfast guy. So even if I'm going going to a nice breakfast place, I normally eat brunch anyways. And so no judgment anywhere. And T Dub, I have I have a question for you because you're you're probably an expert on this. I mean, how many times I mean you grew up with Randy at Jake's rib. How many times did you eat ribs 
before noon. And I feel like it was completely acceptable. Oh, before noon? Oh, I mean, every day for like five years there for a little bit. Um, bef- <laughs> exactly. The, the problem was before 10 a.m., never, because I was never up that early. So, and, and, you know, here's another level of the question. So, like, so like, let's say you want a hamburger, right? And I know because I saw Colby get a chicken strip dinner at Sonic one time, so I know they do this at 8 in the morning. <laughs> so, is there, so there's a difference between going to the Sonic at 8 a.m., ordering the burger, and go, instead of going out to the back and throwing, firing up the grill for a burger. Yeah, because that's fast food. That's, you know, you're in a hurry, but yeah. you need something to eat. I'm not afraid to hit up Sonic for the full – because I'm not – like, I don't, I don't really like sausage biscuits. I'm not like a breakfast burrito guy. So if I'm hungry at 7.30 and I'm driving through Sonic, I'll probably just give me a little small cheeseburger, some tots, move on my day. Literally every question hey. I had during this topic, I just thought of the top of my head. This is such a rabbit hole question. It's unbelievable. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, speaking, speaking of the rabbit hole and speaking of the food, I got to tell you guys this story about something Reagan and I did. This past week, this was before she had COVID, but I had COVID, but now anyway, she has COVID now. And so it's all a mess. And so anyways, I go, I go up to her. I'm like, ice cream sounds so good right now. And she says, I was just thinking cake sounds so good. So what did we do? I sent her to Cold Stone Creamery and we got an ice cream cake, red velvet, and I've been eating on it. At nighttime, and that's my guilty little pleasure. That sounds so damn good. That sounds like a very guilty pleasure. That doesn't sound like a guilty little pleasure. That sounds like a guilty big pleasure. Eat, red red velvet ice eat, cream every night? No, red velvet cake with ice cream in the middle. And so it, it, each slice is probably about, you know, if you put your fingers together and made a triangle, that's, that's how small the slice is, right? And each slice is 500 calories. And I have two slices per. That just seems like a good way to wrap up a day. You know what I mean? I think I'd go the, I think exactly. I'd eat that whole thing in one session. So how many calories is that? 10,000? A lot. A lot of calories. Let's do this, fellas. Let's take a break. Come back on the other side. Preview the Sony Open. Give the people what they want. We got our DraftKings picks, our one-and-done picks, which, uh, Sam, we're, we're looking for a bounce back this week from you. We'll get into that. Much, much more coming up Only on the other side. Only up from here, baby. Only up from here. Uh, it's either up or level. Can't go down. Stay with us here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. GolfOklahoma.org and follow us on social media. Head on over Twitter, the 73rd hole and Instagram, 73rd hole. Check it all out. It is time now, gentlemen, to preview the Sony Open played at Wailai Country Club down in Hawaii. They moved over to Honolulu this week after being the Big Island, uh, not the Big Island. Uh, They were on Maui last week with... uh, with Kapalua. So head over to Wailai this week. Good golf course. Usually provides a good tournament. Strength of field, Taylor. You got it? I do. What do y'all think it is? Let's just for comparison's sake, let me get what the strength of field last week was real fast. It was in the 500s. I believe it was 514 was the strength of field last week with only 38 players in the field. Full field this week, guys. Over 140 guys. What do y'all think it is? Sam, go ahead. Give me... 
Okay, that's dangerously close to what I was going to guess. The number in my head was 420. I like that number, Colby, but you guys are off. 282. What? Really? What? We got Cam, Harris, English, Decky, Answer, Kokra, Webb, Gooch, Connors, Leishman. Man. Almost half the strength of fields last week with over 100 amount of players. Isn't that unbelievable? That's wild. That's wild. I mean, I guess that's wild. That there's just goes a lot to of show. there's a lot of guys in the field between fifty and hundred, but there's and there's some from thirty to fifty. But really, besides you guys, names you mentioned, guys, not that there's Cam's the only player in the top ten in the field, and English is the only other one that's in the top fifteen. That, that's um, but, what I was gonna say. Those top ten players jack up strength of field so much. English. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, Sam? We got you a T thirty last week. I mean, thirty eight guys in the field, <laughs> but. Got you a T30. He screwed me in the one and done, and his dog screwed me in the national championship. Oh, man. That's a that's a double L. That's a double L. That's, you can't spell Bulldogs without two L. Go, 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 dogs. Sam, you want to start us on DraftKings <laughs> since you had a rough, rough week at Kapalua? Yeah, I guess so, if I have to. You sound enthused about All it. All right. Well, DraftKings, I can't even enter, and one and done, I'm – already done after the first week you just need to so. delete you need to delete your draft kings <laughs> and make know, a new one i didn't know i didn't know that one and done meant literally one tournament and your whole season's done now remember <laughs> last year sam you started like 10 weeks in you were behind me by like eight hundred thousand, and ended up beating me all it takes is one winner one winner and you're back in it yeah but i'm not trying to beat you colby i'm trying to finish first well do you have to beat me to do that you could pick a winner every tournament the way out, Sam, and then just dominate the pool. All right. Well, I think I have a winner this week. Go ahead. Okay, so we'll we'll start off my DraftKings lineup this week with an Oklahoma legend at 6,400. I'm going Kevin Tway, a veteran on tour now, and you can get him at 6,400. He was struggling uh, with with some injuries and 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 some sicknesses in the last couple of years, and I think that Kevin Tway could have a really good year on tour this year. He's playing some solid golf in the fall, and so Kevin Tway at 6,400, I feel like, is too low for him this week, and you can definitely get some value for him. So 6,400, Kevin Tway. I actually considered Kevin Tway in mine because I was looking for some cheap guys. I've, I went, uh, I skipped the seven and 8,000s this week, so I had to find some cheap options. Well, we're going to have definitely contradicting lineups, Colby. Okay, well, I'll start then. Me uh, too. I'll give my first pick. I'm going Old Man Furek at 6,500. He's playing good golf in the fall on the Champions Tour. Uh, this is a course that seems like it would fit his game. He's going to be able to just hit a ton of fairways, plot away, just one shot after the other. I think Furek will have a good week. I'm just looking for guys in 6,000s to make the cut. None of these guys I'm throwing out in the 6,000s I expect to win the tournament. Probably not even top 10. That's what my guys in the 9s and 10s are for. Uh, I just need these guys to play the weekend, and I think Jim Furek will do that. Taylor, who you got? Furyk has played 24 rounds here, and he's gained over a stroke on the field, so that's uh, that's pretty good playing there within the top 15 or so, that aspect. I'm going with another old guy myself. 7,200, give me Stuart Sink. Played pretty good last week. He, uh, he finished 21st, but only shot two under on Sunday, which is like 80 over at that course. And, you know, looking at it, guys, he's played 52 rounds here. Gained .93 over that stretch. So, playing some good golf, kind of found a, a second wind or an eighth wind, however you want to phrase it, for, for the old man's sink. So, I'm going to roll with that. Then, I'm going to go ahead and start it, guys. It's the first opportunity I've had all year to pick him. No reason I'm, I'm going to stop the trend now. 7,800, C-Bezel. Not going to say anything more. I mean, C-Bezel, that's your guy. He, he's uh, Has he played this tournament before? Negative. He has not. Okay. So, you're just expecting him to come out and be be his normal C-Bezel self. I, and if, and the one time he does miss a cut would be in, in the Sony Open. Probably. I don't know. I think this, this course should somewhat fit in. Not super long. Uh, hit a bunch of fairways, make a bunch of putts. I'm going to go to my next. I've got two guys at 6,600, so I can throw out either one I wanted to first. I'm going to give a guy that his name pops up a lot early in seasons on leaderboards. We'll see this guy in January and February, even some in March, and then he'll disappear. And then the next year he pops up the first few months of the season. Peter Malnati finds himself on some Thursday leaderboards early on in years. Um, he's played decent golf in the fall. His, his marquee event was the Bermuda Championship, where he finished seventh. Um, you know, again, I just need guys in the 6,000s that are going to make the cut, play the weekend. Peter Malnati hopefully gets off to a good start and can parlay that into a made cut and give me some DraftKings points on Saturday and Sunday. Sam, give us your next two. All right, so my next pick is going to be my winner of the tournament. 
okay? And this guy, what if I told you, 30 for 30, what if I told you that this guy has 10 top 15s in this tournament history, right? 10 top 15s. He's never won here, but he has 10 top 15s, and I think he's finally going to break through this week. Nope. The 42-year-old Chucky three six himself is going to win this week and you can get him at eight thousand on DraftKings. Okay? And then I will go to eighty counterpoint, Sam. Counterpoint. Uh nope. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. he finished nineteenth here last year. He finished uh twelfth here the year before that, eighth the year before that. The guy absolutely loves this golf course. And he's going to win this week. And I'm and he's gonna bring me back. Chucky three six is gonna bring me from the bottom to the top, baby. All right. And then we're gonna go all the way up from eight thousand to eighty one hundred. And that's Seamus Powers. He Seamus Power. He played some great golf uh last week. And so I, I think that Seamus Power uh is a value play at eighty one hundred. Yeah, I like Seamus Power. I think that's a good pick. Uh, I've got another guy in the 6,000s. Again, I'm just looking. Go out and make a cut for me. I'm going to run out Vincent Whaley, a guy people probably don't know a ton about. He was on the Corn Ferry last year. Really good player. Since he came onto the PGA Tour, he missed his first cut at the Fortnite Championship. Finished 101st there. He's made all five cuts since then. Made five cuts in a row on the PGA Tour, including a top 10 finish at Bermuda and a top 15 finish at Houston. A name not a lot of people know. Made five cuts in a row. Hopefully we make it six this week at Sony. Kobe, how many he guys- went to Houston, didn't he? Great question. We can look it up. Kobe, I think he did. He, how- he, he played golf at Houston, I think. How many people do you have in your lineup that you just want to make the cut? Uh, I've got three that I just want to make the cut. Those are my three in the 6,000s. I've only got four people in my lineup who have pictures. Peter Malnati and Vincent Whaley have American flags next to their name. Well, at least they're Americans. So Maybe I, they asked them if they want to take the picture, and they said, no, I'm a patriot. Put the flag next to my name. I'm, I'm going to go... <laughs> I'm going to run off a little bit of what Sam said. In 68 rounds of this golf course, 68, I'm not saying that wrong, has gained 1.83 strokes uh, during that stretch. And, I mean, he's, he, it, if there was a place that wildlife should change their name to, it is Chucky 3-6 golf course. You know what he should do? He should play tomorrow, and then he should quit that tournament forever because he'd have the most strokes gained total, lowest stroke average, most money ever earned, and he would have done it all in 69 career rounds. Boy, that is a good number you want to end on. That's a good point. And, you know, going back to the fall, he made three cuts in the fall, too. So, I mean, I think Chucky Theories is a great play. I'm not sure I'm going out as far as as Sam is with saying he's going to win. But I think a top 20 is probably a a good bet there. My next pick, guys, going up to 8,500. Give me Russell Henley. There's a guy who seems to be hit or miss of this course. He won back in 2013. Um, then he went 51st, 17th, miscut 13th, miscut 66, miscut 11th. So if we're on that trend, we're on pace for a miscut. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think Russell Henley really likes this place. And let me get the actual numbers here pulled up. In 30 rounds of this course, guys, he's gained .84 strokes. Pretty darn good. And I think Henley's playing some of the best golf of his career. Yeah, and Henley's been a Hawaii guy throughout his career. He's been good out in Hawaii, so I like that pick. Um, my next pick, I'm jumping up $3,100. I normally don't do this. I'm going, you know, duds and studs this week. So I'm going from 6600 up to 9700 for my next pick. It's the Mexican Allen Iverson. The answer, Abe answer, with his new Callaway clubs. Uh, some of them new, some of them he had last year. Just seems like a course that should fit him. Keep it low, out of that wind at Wiley. Um you know, not the widest fairways in the world, not the longest golf course in the world. I really like his chances to be in contention this week. So-so track record at this course, but he's a better player than he has been in the past whenever he's come here. He's been a guy that we've seen a very real progression where it's like three, four years ago, it's like, okay, he's starting to come on. And then, you know, two years ago, it's like, okay, keep an eye on this guy. And then last summer, it's like, boom, he's here. He popped. So uh, Abraham answer, I think, has a good chance this week at Wiley. Sam, give us your next two. Does, does Abe's performance last week not deter you away, Colby? Uh, no, it doesn't. He, he was out in Hawaii. It, uh, I mean, everybody was making 14 birdies at a time. I, to me... <laughs> this I, tournament's I mean, in Hawaii, too. Well, no, but I, I like guys who were there last week, but who didn't have to go through the grind of trying to win the tournament. Like, I'm not running Cam Smith out anywhere this week. Maybe I'll end up looking like an idiot on Sunday night. But 
I mean, the mental exhaustion to go 34 under and stare down John Rahm all weekend. I mean, that dude's just got to be completely gassed mentally. So I don't want someone who was right there. Give me Abe. He got out there. He did all of his sightseeing, all of his well watching, knocked some balls around to stay loose, and now he'll contend at the Sony. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going with P-Dub's pick, Russell Henley at 8,500. I think the course fits his game perfectly. I think he's too low at 8,500 this week. He's made all five cuts so far that he's played in this season. So Russell Henley at 8,500. And then I'm going with a guy that broke the PGA Tour record for a very short time last week for four-round scoring. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Matt Jones. Matt down, Matt down, Matt down. At 8,400. Okay, I guess I should have said Matt Jones first, but Matt Jones is 8,400. Russell Henley is 8,500. And I just had to say... I just have to say, 8,400 for a guy that shot 33 under last week or whatever? 32 under, whatever he shot? 32, he's a hack. <laughs> Dude, I mean, unbelievable. The guy gets no respect. And he Respect Matt, Matt Jones. The last six times he's played this course, Sam, he's made the cut, too. Yeah, I mean, the ga- the, the course shoots, suits his game perfectly. Who? Matt Jones. Matt Jones. Matt Jones. Matt Jones. My, my wish, if I had a New Year's wish list for the PGA Tour, it's that at one of these tournaments, you get an odd number of players, make the cut, and Matt Jones goes out first by himself. I'll say this. If Matt Jones ever gets put on the clock, whoever's playing in this group should be kicked off the turf. Agreed. Agreed. Matt jo- <laughs> Ser- serious question. What, uh, what's, the, what's the time on the round for Matt Jones if he goes out and plays by himself first in a tournament? First, first guy off. Hour 45. What, what did, uh, hour how fa- 45. How fast did Wesley Bryan do it a few years ago? Oh, uh, like an hour 53 or something. I, th- I legitimately think Matt Jones could play 18 holes on the PGA Tour by himself. You know, if it's like nice weather, if the wind's blowing 30 and you're having to do all those calculations, it's going to take longer. Nice conditions, medium difficulty golf course. I legitimately think he could he could come in at 90 minutes. How about this? What if what if they did split tee boxes and he started on one of the nines or whatever by himself? How long would he have to wait when he got oh, to God. 10 or one? Oh, God, forever. Three hours? For, I mean, he could go and have lunch. He could go and see a movie. Golf courses need more movies. He really theaters. could. Golf courses do need more movie theaters. Rain delays. I'm not. I'm not a movie guy. I. I. I can't. I have too much ADD to be able to sit there through a whole movie and I'm, not be on my phone or something. I'm more of a TV show guy because I like the 45 minute, 50 minute episode. You know, I don't have to be locked in for two hours, two and a half on some of these. <laughs> you don't want to be locked in for two hours, but you're gonna be locked in for two years. Yeah, but I'm gonna do it 45 <laughs> minutes at a time. I'm gonna do it 45 so, minutes so at a time. So instead of though. doing just double the work at one time, you're gonna do it 50 times over. I will say, last night I watched uh, the Bourne Identity. I'm gonna rewatch the Bourne series. Great movies. Hey, we haven't had y'all on since. I'm, no, we're interrupting the picks entirely. But the season finale of Yellowstone. What did y'all think about it? Oh, season finale of Yellowstone. Sam, go. Hold on, I, I got to think about what happened. Well, Hold we're, on, we're, I, we're already in been a thirty a, seconds. Spoiler it's alert! Been a by while. The way. Spoiler alert! Turn turn this Hold off on. if you don't want to hear what I'm re, about re, to say. Start, re, no, restart the, the timer. The thirty seconds are going, Sam. This is all everybody needs to know. Jamie had to kill his dad. Beth's pretty cruel. Oh, that's right. Summer's only going to do six Wait, eight they months. Killed Costa? We're good. No, no, no. Oh, his his biological dad. Oh, okay, biological. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah he's adopted. All right, dude. I honestly don't even remember. Yeah, it's been too long. We forgot to do it when it came out. That was pretty much all I could remember. So, 30 seconds of us trying to come up with something about Yellowstone. I actually watched a few oh, episodes oh. in the middle. It's really a damn good show. Really good, yeah. We we had... I, this isn't going to spoil anything, but how weird was the whole Casey Peyote thing? Very weird. Very weird. Something I, I didn't understand it at all. Uh, I mean, I kind of understand it, but it's something I have no interest in ever participating in. <laughs> Peter, would you smoke peyote and sit out in a field? Or would you would you smoke peyote and sit out in a fairway for days on end, for waiting th- on your spirit animal? For four days, no food, no water. 
That actually sounds pretty fun. No food, no water? <laughs> well, well, if you're at a golf course, you just uh, you just harpoon some fish in the pond, you know? Yeah, um, but if you're at a golf course, you might get smoked by a golf ball, too. Now you've got a concussion, and you've got no food, no water. Well, maybe that's part of the spiritual journey is getting the concussion. Maybe it is. Sam, how many picks have you given us? We're totally it's, off the it's rails. It's totally your turn, Colby. Is it my turn? Yeah. That's probably why we're off the rails, because I didn't know it was my turn. My next pick, <laughs> I'm only rostering him in, in DraftKings because I can't use him in the one and done. He's going to be heavily, heavily used everywhere this week. One-and-done pools, DraftKings pools. Mark Leishman is getting all the love, and I think that there's some good reason. Uh, it seems like a good spot for him. You know, a lot of times when that happens, a guy will lay a dud if everybody's on him, but I'm on him in DraftKings. Go, Greg. Go, Greg. 10K, give me Leishman. Boy, not only did we just doom Coke Crack, we literally sent him to the very bottom. I mean, literally DFL. (laughs) We did the worst damage possible. So I'm going to go with up to 9,100, my second most expensive pick. But I will say this. I I think it's going to be someone who's kind of a lower-name player win this tournament. But if I had to pick one of the bigger names, that's who I pick would win the tournament. That's from the show TG. I think he's due again. I know I can't really say he's due when he won the second to last tournament he played in, but I, I think this course really sets up well for him. He's Whenever he first played here in 2018, he finished 18th, so obviously he's a lot better now than he was then. Hasn't had that much success since then, but one thing to consider, guys, this was his first time playing at Kapalua, so usually before he was just flying over to play one tournament. A little harder to do on that aspect. And then my most expensive guys, guy who doomed Sam last week, so you have to go. Sam's always a week early on his picks. Give me the man himself, Harris English. I think that he was defending his tournament or defending his championship last week, so he didn't have it all there. He's made what is that right here? Is that eight out of nine cuts? Uh, eight of out of his last nine cuts at this course. So oh, I, think- I was going to say at this course because prior to Century, he missed the cut at the RSM. He WD'd at the CJ Cup, and he missed the cut at the Shriners, were his three previous events to Century. Yes, no, we're not talking about recent form here. That's not the best thing. But I do think this is a, a place that English bounces back. Because in 34 rounds here, guys, getting .84 strokes, I think Harris English is a great play this week. And I think that he will do much better than he did last week for Sam. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm going to go with uh, another guy that I think will be popular. To get answer Leishman and, and, and this guy in, that's why I had to go see so cheap everywhere. It's the Weber. It's the Weber. The last seven trips for the Weber to Wiley. Uh, 20th, 13th, 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 4th, 3rd, 4th. Uh, I mean, Webb just goes out. He plays this tournament. Also, I think he's very revitalized to come back and have a big season. You know, guys, he was a top 10 player in the world two years ago. He went from that to not making the Ryder Cup last year. And he was asked earlier this week, he was asked yesterday in his press conference about not making the Ryder Cup and having to watch it at home. And he's like, look, man, I watched every bit of it. He said, I didn't miss a single shot. Uh, whenever he went outside to practice, he would take the remote with him. So his kids couldn't change the channel. He would pause it. He'd take the remote outside with him and he'd practice and then come back in and he'd play it. Then he'd, 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 <laughs> that, is a, that is a great play right there. Oh, I love that. Very heady play from Webb. He said, he said he'd watch for like two hours. He'd go out and practice for an hour, come back in, play it, watch for like two more hours, go outside and practice for an hour. I mean, that's good stuff from Webb. I think he's revitalized. I think he has a really good chance to win the golf tournament this week and get his season off to a good start. So he's my most expensive at 10-5. All right. Well, I got 10-6, Hideki Matsuyama, a guy that I think is going to have another big year this year. He's just too consistently good uh, around the board. And six of six cuts made so far this year, three top tens. I think he's a surefire guy uh, to finish top 20 this week at Wildlife. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Uh, So is that six for everybody? I lose track. We, I've listed yeah. all mine. Okay, we derailed for about five minutes there in the middle. I'll say a couple other picks I thought about making just couldn't fit in the lineup. Uh, Corey Connors plays really good at this course in 12 rounds. Uh, Kevin Kisner played good last week, and he's starting to uh, – he didn't start off very well at this course, but the last five years he's done well as well. And then another guy who I almost had my lineup in throughout was Siwoo Kim. I think he plays well this week too. Yeah, Siwoo's very – hit. Or, he, he's he's going to pop three times See a year. Who? Three times a year, Siwoo's going to pop. Uh, one and done picks. Sam – we're going to go inverse order. We'll start with you. Kokrak in English last week, so you're still looking for your first finish inside the top 30 this year. Maybe you'll get it this week. You rolling with your boy Chucky? I am rolling with my boy Chucky. Speaking of top 30s, he's only finished outside the top 30 here one time, and that's a 30-second finish in 2018. This guy is a horse for course. And he's never won here, and he deserves to win at the Sony Open. 
Give me Chucky Three Sticks to get me back on track, baby. I agree that Chucky Three Sticks deserves to win at Wiley and deserves to win this tournament. I just don't think that the golf gods work like that, and I don't think that they care. You just There's so many good players out there. Chucky, he just doesn't win, man. He's a great player, but he just doesn't win. I've taken him, I think, the last two years at this tournament. I'm not going to this year. I'm going to take a guy who I think has a really good chance to win this golf tournament on Sunday. This ain't a hobby, fellas. This ain't a hobby. Kevin Kisner. Uh, about once a year, he'll win a golf tournament. It's always at a course like this. It's always at a strength of field like this. He's told us, I can't win at Torrey. I can't win at Bethpage. There are places I can win. Those are the places now, where, where I get it done. I'll take Kisner. I do know that Kisner was in Indianapolis, right? And so do you think that there's any hangover effect from the dogs winning the national championship? Kisner was definitely not in Indianapolis. I feel like he was, wasn't he? There's no way that he flew from Maui Sunday night to Indianapolis for the game Monday night and then flew back to Honolulu for the Sony. There's no way. If OU was playing that championship, so? I would have. So, someone someone look it up for us. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with my next pick here. So, early, we should fact-check it. Er, er, I'm, I'm fact-checking. Early in, the, early in the season for the one-and-done pool, I like to have the philosophy of, I'm going to probably go with the person that I think everyone else will have most picked. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I think that it'll be a lower-name guy win the field this week, so it's really hard to prognosticate that. But... Like you mentioned earlier, Kobe, if, if everyone has Mark Leishman, he wins, and you don't have him, you're going to lose ground to a lot of people. So I'm going to go ahead with Leishman. I don't think he's your winner, but I think he's a very solid top 15, definitely top 20 guy. Uh, Kisner did def- definitely did not fly to – I was looking up Kisner. Who'd you okay. say? Leishman. Leishman, okay, yeah, that's a good pick. Um, he was not in Indianapolis. <laughs> I know this because he posted, he posted a picture with all of his fellow dogs – out in Hawaii in what appears to be a okay. hotel room or a lobby. Harris English, Brian Harmon, Kevin Kisner, a few guys that I don't really recognize, Russell Henley, uh, all in this picture out at, out at the Sony. Going back, to, okay. going back to to Sam's pick, is there a golfer who could who hasn't won a major yet who you would be more happy if they won one than Chucky Three Sticks? Um, I mean, there's a couple that would be on the same tier. Like, it'd be, it'd be awesome for Charles Howell the third because it would just validate an unbelievable career. And then there's just guys, you know, fan favorites. Rick, a lot of people would like to see Ricky win one. Um, talking about guys who haven't won one yet. West, Sam, Westwood's the only other guy I could think of. Yeah, that's a good one. Sam, who, who hasn't won a major that you would be most happy to see win one? That It would be Chucky three sticks for me. And, I mean, obviously Ricky around here, that would be unbelievable. But... I'd love it for Fina. I'd, lo- I'd love the, it for Fina. <clears throat> yeah, but he, he's younger though. I, I I think that it's I think that it's as across the board, not just factoring in Oklahoma ties and all that. It has to be Westwood, right? I, I would agree, and that's the reason I didn't mention TG is because you know he's younger and all that. So I'm talking about guys who have had you know played probably ten plus years in majors. So Ricky would fit into that category too. Yeah, right. Uh, just random name, totally off the wall. I'm scrolling OWGR. Charlie Hoffman's been a good player for a long time, has been really good on Thursdays and Fridays at majors. That would be kind of a cool story if he got one. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a handful of names that would be right there, but it'd be cool to see for Chucky Three Sticks. Uh, y'all been mentioning him. I don't like him to win the golf tournament, but my favorite bet of the week is Charles Howell III for a top 20. You can get two-to-one odds on him to top 20. When's the last time he didn't top 20 at this golf course? If I can find him on my thing here, I'll go look. Uh, Charles Howell III. Yeah, 2018. And 2015 are the only two times in the last decade that he's finished outside the top 20 at this course. He just he's a top 20 machine. So at two to one, I'll just I'll throw my money at, on two to one, Chucky to finish top 20, and hope for the best. Uh, any best bets on your end, Sam? Or are you rolling with the Chucky? Throw all your money on Chucky three six. We're getting back on track. All right. And boys, by the way, we I forgot to uh, do the golf trivia today. And so we have three more questions. All right, hit us up with the trivia. Today. One name I want to throw in there right. who I would like to see win a major is Brian Harmon. Yep. Just wanted to say Ooh, that real quick. Brian Harmon would be a good one. That would be a good one. I like that, T-Dub. Okay, are you guys ready for golf trivia? Uh, I'm ready. I'm trying to find our official tally board. I know it's, it's right over here. here. It's right in front of me. It's right in front of us. Here we go. All right. Uh, what is the score? Four to three, I'm, I'm in the lead. So give us the trivia. All right. Whose quote included, quote, Selecting a stroke is like selecting a wife to each his own. Sam Sneed, Byron Nelson, Ben Hogan, or Walter Hagen? I'm going to guess uh, 
That sounds like a Walter Hagen quote. That's exactly what I was going to say. I thought Sam Sneed when he first said it, but after Hagen was said on there because he was notorious for getting uh, getting pretty drunk for his PJ matches. So give me give me Walter Hagen. That's a great guess, but it's not correct. It was Ben Hogan. All right. He doesn't seem like – I know right. Byron Nelson. He's too nice of a guy. I didn't think Hogan would say that either. Weird. All right. Too nice of a guy? Uh, isn't, isn't Hogan notorious for being – Stone Cold? No, uh, uh, Nelson was. I just didn't think. I thought he was more. I thought uh, Hogan was more Stone Cold, like on the golf course. I didn't think he was Stone Cold about his wife and marital affairs, stuff like that. Look both ways, kids. <laughs> Look both ways. All right. All right. What state's courses include Sugarloaf, Belgrade Lakes, Sunday River, and Kibo Valley? Would it be Texas, Arizona, Maine, or Delaware? Arizona. Give me Maine. Maine, that is correct, T Dub. Delaware was that a hot. Is, Delaware was a hot guess because I just noticed because you would think that if they asked courses, they wouldn't ask just random municipals that are in West Texas. Right. So I think of you know what are states that don't have big golf courses. All right, we're tied four to four. One more for all the marbles for today. We've got a whole year of this. All right. At age twenty-one, who has been the youngest player to win eight times in one season? Would it be Young Tom Morris, Horton Smith? Tiger Woods or Jordan Speed? At twenty one, Speed didn't win eight times in a year. Tiger didn't do it at twenty one. I'm gonna go with uh, Horton Smith. Give me Young Tom Morris. Colby Horton Smith in nineteen twenty nine. Let's go. We narrowed it down. We basically had a fifty fifty chance. We knew it wasn't Tiger or Speed because we basically know how many ti- how many times Tiger won in, in each year that he did it, and we know Speed had won eight times in a year, so. 50-50 proposition, Tom Morris too old. Probably didn't even have eight events whenever That's Tom Morris. That's young Tom Morris, too. Not even old Tom Morris. Young that, Tom Morris probably didn't even have eight events to play in. They probably had like a four-event I didn't think Gordon schedule. Smith had eight events to play in either, but apparently he did. 1929, that was the heyday of golf, wasn't it, Sam? <laughs> I mean, Colby, by the way, it, it, first of all, no, no. I mean, that, <laughs> golf didn't even exist until 1997, right? No, no I so, meant the literal heyday. They were playing in hay fields with sheep. <laughs> exactly. That was they were playing. They had about three guys competing for the tournament, and the rest of the field was sheep, literally. So, <laughs> Colby, Colby, when you have a son, you have to name him Young Colby Pal, right? Or, <laughs> so you could be Old Colby Pal. <laughs> That's such a damn good idea. That's a great idea. That's a great. If I have a son, we've only got one more chance. We're done at two, boys. So we've only got one more try. <laughs> you, you could flip it. You, you know, Layla's not born yet. She could be young Dana Pal, and we could. could be old Dana Pal. We could. I don't think Dana's going to go for that. I don't think Dana's much for the uh, name your child the same name as you. Not. I don't think there's anything wrong yeah, with it. Well, name your whatever you want to, it, but. Could you imagine a woman being named old Dana Powell? Like old whatever your name is? That, yeah. I don't think women would like that. That's a great point. I wouldn't want to give my son my same name because it's like with LeBron and Tiger and like these, these you know, elites of the elite, you just put so much pressure on them. I mean, the amount of pressure that would be on a young Colby Powell to grow up and be just an elite podcaster would be, it'd be too much. It'd be too much to put on his shoulders. All right. Old Colby Powell. Any final thoughts before we call it a day? Going once, going I'm twice. I'm good, old Colby. <laughs> going once, going twice. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Enjoy the golf out in Sony. We're back next week here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.